Good morning, good morning, and welcome to Half an Hour of Hope with Babo Mario. <laughs> the Restoration of Grace. And it's a new series on the constitution of the believer. In my latest book, uh, unfortunately not available in English, only available in Italian. Um, 23 revelation articles that transcend any form of tradition or religion and which can help us filter out all that is non-biblical and non-scriptural but only passed down. How to see doctrines, messages from the pulpit, videos, read books or receive any other form of teaching through the lenses of God's love and grace. <laughs> yes. Yes, because if you don't if you don't look at this word through the lenses of God's love and grace, all you end up with is a bunch of law and legalism and religionism. So this uh, constitution is a series of 23 articles that I believe form the basis of what uh, uh, God wants to tell us in this book, okay? And as I said, you need to you need to watch it through the lenses of grace of the grace of God and the love of God. Otherwise, they serve no purpose. The Constitution of the Believer, my latest book, not available in English yet, unfortunately. <laughs> but anyway, very valid. I know the author. Okay, today we're talking about Article One, the first article of this Constitution. And this is what it says. Forgiveness for the Christian is instantaneous, complete, and eternal. First article of the Constitution says that forgiveness for the Christian, for the believer, for the son, is instantaneous, complete, and eternal. Let's read Colossians chapter 2, verses 13 and 14. Colossians chapter 2, 13 and 14. And you, being dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he has made alive together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses, having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us, and he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. Okay, let's... Let's let's split up. Let's let's extrapolate a couple of points from this wonderful scripture. One, you who died, you had died. You were dead in sins. Okay. You who were dead in sins. You were dead in sins. You. Paul clearly makes as makes us understand uh, th that our pre-Christ tradition, uh, the condition that we were in before Christ was not one of defect, lack, or inadequacy. We're not lacking anything. We were lacking life. No, our pre-Christ condition was death due to sin. And as everyone knows, the dead do not need lessons in morality on how to stop sinning. They need one thing and one thing only, and that's life. 
If you've got someone dead in front of you, you're not, you're not going to go and tell them, you better believe, you better believe, you better do this, you better do that, follow this instruction, do that. No, you, you, you must go there with a, with a, with a glass of, of uh, life and pour it on him. They don't need any lessons in morality and other stops in them. They need life. And if, as the Apostle himself says in Romans 7, 9 and 11, it says, Romans 7, Romans 7, 9 and 11, Romans 7, 9, it says, I was alive once without the law, but when the commandment came, sin revived and I died. Verse 11, for sin, taking occasion by the commandment, deceived me and by it killed me. So if, if sin was the cause of my death, then obviously my life can only arise from the removal of that sin. Right? If, if, if I was dead, in the uncircumcision of my flesh, in dead in my sins, if I was dead and I needed life and sin caused my death, then the removal of that sin would bring life. Simple enough. Second point, and the uncircumcision of your flesh. Without going into details, symbolically speaking, circumcision represented for Israel the seal of their belonging to the covenant made by God with Abraham, the seal of justice obtained by faith, the sign of the removal of sin. So now, we don't want to go into gory details, but we all know that what circumcision means. is the removal of a, of a part of the body that is seen by God as impure, as dirty. And so the removal, the symbolical removing of this represented with Abraham what the removal of sin represents with God. And here's where Paul, a converted Jew, clearly defines this practice in the light of the New Testament. Romans chapter 2. Verses 28 and 29. This is what Paul says. For he is not a Jew who is one outwardly, nor is circumcision that which is outward in the flesh. Please listen. I love the Jews and I love Israel. But please listen to what the New Testament scripture says. He is not a Jew who is one outwardly. In other words, your circumcision doesn't make you a Jew. <laughs> In the light of the New Testament, listen to me. It's, this is not Mario, this is the Bible, okay? It's got a red cover, but it's still a Bible. He is not a Jew, is one outwardly, nor is circumcision that which is outward in the flesh. But he is a Jew who is one inwardly, and circumcision is that of the heart, in the spirit, not in the letter, whose praise is not from men, but from God. It's, not, it's got nothing to do with anything you do to your body or anything you do to yourself. This is something that God does to your heart when you accept Christ by faith. It's a circumcision of your heart, not of your flesh. And in circumcising your heart, God removes the, the part of the body that is called circumcision, removes the sin from your heart. In other words, it is God who sees the circumcised heart, the removed sin, and its justification through faith in Christ. As Galatians, look at this, as Galatians, 
Galatians 6.15 says this. Listen to this. Galatians 6.15. This is, this is for all the ones that follow the Jewish feasts and, uh, and get all involved with Shabbat Shalom and this kind of stuff. Listen to this. In Christ, Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything. So whether you're a Jew or, 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 or a pagan or a Gentile or whatever, it doesn't mean anything. It doesn't mean squat. It doesn't mean anything. But a new creation. It doesn't, doesn't serve anything. It doesn't mean anything if you're circumcised or you're not circumcised. And again, I'm sorry. I love the Jews. I love Israel. I've, I've been there. I, I really, I do. I really love it. But please come down from your from your Jewish throne. It's got nothing to do with circumcision or uncircumcision for that matter. It's the circumcision of your heart that counts. And that can only be done by God through Christ. Right, okay. Now, point three. God made you alive within. So, if my problem is the rigidity of a cadaver, <laughs> of a dead spirit, incapable of any reply or reaction, and totally deaf to any form of education, infected and contaminated by sin, what I really need is not someone who wants to settle my position of deafness, <laughs> my position of deafness, but someone who has the ability to bring me back to life. I don't need you to teach me anything. I don't need you to give me books. I don't need you to give me manuals. I don't need you. you must just give me one life. If I'm dead, I don't need your help in terms of behavior. I need your help in terms of life. I don't need you to teach me how not to sin anymore. Nor to give me a very long list of things to do and not to do. Nor to rebuke me for my current position as a sinner. No. I just need you to bring me back to life. And that just what Jesus Christ came to do. John 10 came. I have come so that you may have life and you may have it in abundance. Listen to me. He didn't come to start a new religion. He didn't, he didn't come to start a new belief. He didn't come to start a church. He didn't come to start... He, didn't come, he came to bring life, life. And this is why I maintain, I preached a long time ago a series of messages entitled, The Glory of God is Man Fully Alive. Man Fully Alive. It, 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 I think it was Tertullian. Um, Tertullian that, uh, that uh, was, a, uh, was a, um, a, a, a Greek philosopher, but, but uh, um, a Christian. And he said, uh, he said, the glory of God is man fully alive. That's why God gave you life, an abundant life, so that you can enjoy it. Don't leave this gift wrapped. Unwrap it, enjoy it. The glory of God is man fully alive. Alive. He came to give you abundant life. But we're in lockdown. I don't know. We're in lockdown in South Africa. Thank God for that. I got I got Italian friends in Italy that are locked down in, in flats the size of my lounge. And, and 
and they go from the kitchen to the bathroom to the to the bedroom to the to the to the lounge to the kitchen to the bathroom to the bedroom to the little balcony that's about the size of this table. Come on, we live in a magnificent country. We got beautiful weather. We got the birds are singing. The, the, we got green in our garden. We we can walk out. We can go into the garden. We can roll in the grass. Do something fully alive. Live life abundantly. Okay, now. God, through Jesus Christ, is made up for my lack of life caused by sin. Now, for forgiving us all sins. Okay, now, yeah, I'm faced with the problem because the English language sometimes is very strange. What I mean? I mean, who knows what this very strange and civilian expression, all sins, me. What do you think? What do you think this very mysterious expression means? All sins. Does it mean those I'm aware of? Or maybe the ones I remember? Or maybe those for which I ask forgiveness? Who knows what the true meaning of this expression is? Forgive me if I seem a little sarcastic, but after hundreds and hundreds of religionistic attacks where the concept of forgiveness is downgraded, to something vague, obscure, limp, and conditional. And I, I, I would like to ask all the disparages of true forgiveness, the total one, the, the only one, what do you think the, the phrase all sins means? Maybe. Who knows? It could be that. Maybe. By chance. Perhaps. Who knows? It could be. Maybe it means all sins. Why? Why should we try to make Scripture say something different when it does not adapt to our traditions, customs, and hypocrisies? Why, if, if our denomination says that you can lose your salvation because if you sin too much, whatever sinning too much means, uh, God will take back his eternal life and will say, nah, 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 I'm not giving you uh, uh, life anymore. That's it. Yeah, crazy. No, God is not sitting in heaven waiting for you to make a mistake and, and, and commit sin so that he can go, Behold, Mario sinneth. Squash. It's crazy. It's totally crazy. Anyway, why God's the Bible says all sins, He forgave us all sins. What what do you think it means? Maybe it means all sins. It is written. All sins means past, present, future. Present, past, and future, future, past and present. All sins, all sins, not just the word, not all sins, just for confirmation. Hebrews. Ah, come on and smile with me. <laughs> Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 3 it says because it's so written up my Bible that I can't even understand what it says okay so it says uh, upholding all things by the word of his power when he, when he had by himself purged our sins sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high <laughs> what does it mean what does it mean when somebody sits down? It means he's finished. 
What does it mean with somebody when, when in the context of the tabernacle of Moses, where there was no chair, uh, sitting down means I'm done, I'm finished. That's why Jesus sits down. Why? Because he has purged by himself all our sins. Okay, number five. Number five. Having cancelled the document of hostile to us, whose commandments condemned us and took it out of the way, nailing it to the cross. Now, the word document is translated from the Greek kerographon. Kerographon, which literally means handwritten. While the word commandment comes from dogma. And we know what that means. It means doctrine, law, decree. What I believe this verse means is that all the dogmas, doctrines, decrees, rules, and commandments that Moses wrote in the Torah, the Old Testament law, impossible to fulfill, well, were nailed to the cross of Jesus Christ once and for all. The law declared guilty. The complete, total, absolute forgiveness of all sins, past, present, and future, obtained through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, made once and for all, cries out, innocent. Okay, now let's see what the... Uh, I have here a book that uh, I have uh, written to interpret uh, the letters of Paul in the light of grace and in a in a day day to day language. So listen what Colossians 2 13 and 14 say in the, the announcement, the free interpretation of Baba Mario of oh, Pauline letters, okay? Colossians 2 13 and 14. God, you can check it in your own Bible and see what it means. God has brought you back to life. God has brought you back to life. He didn't teach you how not to be dead. He brought you back to life with Jesus Christ. And to make sure that the whole life of sin could never have any power over you, God forgave you all your sins, past, present, and future. Think, all canceled. We start from scratch. All the old arrest warrants issued against you, thanks to the crime of Adam, have been nailed to the cross once and for all. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. This is the reality of forgiveness. Once for all, complete, total, eternal. You don't have to go there and ask God to forgive you every time you make a mistake. It's done. It's finished. Tell your dad you made a mistake and God will discipline you and guide you and help you and correct you and show you. And it. But your sin has been forgiven because of the blood of Christ once and for all on the cross of Jesus Christ. Relax. Your salvation is secure. Your salvation is not something that you hold on for dear life. Oh Lord, let me behave properly, otherwise I slip and I fall. A backslide. My friend, you weren't climbing anything. 
You backslide when you're climbing something. You're not climbing, you're seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. How do you, how do you backslide from that? Oh Lord, religionism is such a lie. Such a lie, such a lie, such a lie. Anyway, so, like I was saying, salvation is not something that you hold on to for dear life. Salvation is God that grabs you by the scruff of your neck and He will not let you go. It's by His power that you're saved, not by yours. You know, stay saved. You were, you were saved by grace. You stay saved by grace. You, you, you. Okay, let me, let me finish because it's already late. Okay, now, please note the phrase once and for all. The forgiveness that God has bestowed on us thanks to the work of the cross of Jesus Christ is instantaneous, total, and eternal. To conclude this chapter, this is the first article in the, in the book, The Constitution of the Believer. To conclude this chapter, I would like to mention two very similar verses of writing where the Apostle Paul synthesizes the concept of instantaneous, total, and eternal forgiveness in a very clear and simple way. Ephesians 1 7. In Him we have the redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of, his, of sins according to the riches of His grace. Colossians 1.14 In Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins. Now, He repeats it over and over and over because He's trying to make us to understand In Him we have the forgiveness of sins through His blood. Sins. Sin. Past, present, future. Once and for all. In Him. Thanks to what Jesus did on the cross. We have. Not we will have. But we have. Now. Forgiveness of sins. Instantaneous, total and eternal. Hence. Article 1 of the Constitution of the Believer declares that if the message that is preached, the instructions that are given, or the doctrine that is taught, do not state that God's forgiveness for believers is instantaneous, total and eternal, such statements are unconstitutional. Amen, Abba Daddy God, thank you so much that I don't have to struggle gain your love. It is mine. You've given it to me. When Jesus died on that cross and he shed his blood, my forgiveness was purchased. And then he went into the tomb and he was resurrected. And that's when he gave me life and life abundant. And I receive it, my God. I receive it for me. I receive it for all my friends. I receive it for South Africa. Abundant life in the name of Jesus. Amen. See you tomorrow, same time, 11 o'clock, same place, my house. <laughs> God bless you. Big hug. Bye.